Hey, good morning. As you guys have a seat, my name is Jason Espy. I'm an elder here. I'm going to be doing our scripture reading today. Byron's going to be preaching uh, from Psalm 42. And so let me go ahead and start in verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard uh, Version, our Bible, the uh, 1995. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope. In God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh, my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and all of your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. Will they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He is the help of my countenance, and he is my God. Thus says the Lord. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, then I come to to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Brief prayer. Father, that is my prayer this morning, that we would thirst for your presence. Lord, many of us here today, probably our hearts have grown cold. Um, we know that you are our Savior. We know what you have done for us. We know that you will return. But our emotional love for you may have diminished under the busyness and under the weight of our minds and the busyness of our schedule and our actions. May we thirst for your presence. May we seek you as rivers of living water. That is my prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 42. That's where we will be this morning, Psalm chapter 42. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Good morning to you all. If you do not know, I'm Byron Brash. I'm the pastor here at Calvary. Three statements that I'd like to begin with is that the Bible is truth, that God is real. He exists. He is our creator. He is our redeemer, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and that Jesus is Savior to all. And all God's people say, Amen. 
So today we're starting a new series in the book of Psalms. We're going to walk through a different psalm each week for the next few weeks. And why am I doing that? The reason is, is because every year what I would like to do is have at least three different types of psalms, or uh, sermon series, excuse me, that in between the books that we preach... I would like to take a pause and make sure we cover three different things. That we love the Lord our God with all of our mind. That we love learning about Him. So every year I would, I will do probably a systematic theology book or a systematic theology month for all the super nerds in the room like me. Uh, We'll enjoy that one. Loving God with our soul, taking actions for Him, and then loving God with our heart, being emotive for Him. So why do I do that? It says in the Great Commandment, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, what does it say? And the great commandment is what? That you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. Can I just speak to people in the room? We typically choose one of those. If we're a really good Christian, we choose two of those, right? We, we either choose to love God with our mind, that we seek to know all the information we possibly can learn, or we seek to love God with our actions, with our soul. I've known a lot of... Uh, tired Christians, okay, that love God with their soul, but they don't know Him, they don't love Him emotionally, but then I've known a lot of Christians that are what I call highly caffeinated Christians, okay, that, that love God with their emotions only, that, that, that serving God is only about an experience, about how I feel, but it takes all three. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, emotions, mind, knowledge, and thoughts, and all of your soul, your actions. That we will be deficient in our love for God if we do not have all three. So every year, what I would like to do is unpack those three and what better uh, book of the Bible to unpack our love for God with our emotions than the Psalms. What better book to paint the portrait of loving God with our emotions than the Psalms themselves? So today we are in Psalm 42, and today we talk about thirsting for God, about longing for His presence, about experiencing the rivers of living water on a daily basis. But allow me to ask you the question first, and I would like you to respond as I say on Sundays so I don't awkwardly stare at you. Okay, Um, so what are some things in life we long for? What are some things we long for, we desire, we thirst for? Love, good, yes, what else, good. What's that? Success, good. What are some other things we long for? Understanding, what else? Yeah, peace. Some of us are longing for a nap today, right? Amen. (laughs) Okay, all right. Parents of uh, young kids in the room, say amen. Okay. We long for a lot of things. We long for a vacation. We long for retirement. We are already longing for lunch today. But if you think about our most intense longings are intensely personal. To have a conversation with our child, to go home at the end of a hard day, to have a husband return from travel, to know why we were created, to know our passion, to know our reason for living. If you get nothing else out of this sermon series, get what I'm about to say to you. The God, the infinite God of the universe desires to have a relationship with you. That he created you to know you. He created you to know Him. 
and that he sent his son to reconcile us to himself. He created us to know him and he sent his spirit and gave us his word so that we could walk with him. You are meant to know God. That is your design and that is your purpose. You are meant to thirst for him. You're meant to long for his presence. And that's what I want to talk to you about today and in this sermon series. You are meant to thirst for him. But, you know, I've realized, you know, I've been a Christian for 30 years. You can't tell from the gray hair, but that's the truth. Um, it seem, probably seems longer. Okay. All right. Uh, it's been a long 37 years. Okay. Um, you know, I've noticed in my 30 years of being a Christian that, that your relationship with God, your passion for God, your emotion for God changes over time. Does anybody ever notice this? That when you come to Christ, what's that like? Especially if you come to Christ as an adult, there is just this passion for the Lord, that you are on fire for Him, that you want to learn everything you possibly can. But then as time progresses, you go through different seasons of your relationship with God. You go through a spring season, that you are growing in your faith, that God feels near, that you go through summers of your faith, that you are passionate for Him, that you go through seasons of fall, that you feel complacent, and you go through seasons of winter that you feel dry. That the leaves of your spiritual life have fallen and there's nothing left but a cold heart. How do we return to the rivers of living water? How do we pant for God? As it says in Psalm 42, how do we love God with our emotions, with a heart as God has designed? That's what I want to speak to you about today. So if you haven't turned already, turn to Psalm 42. Psalm chapter 42, and I'll just say real quickly that the Psalms are my favorite book in the entire Bible. Why? Um, because it teaches, it reminds Byron not to be a spiritual cyborg, okay? If you know my natural personality, I love the Lord my God with my mind. That, that is my natural intention. I was raised by an engineer. Anybody else? Any engineers and raised by engineers in the room? Okay. So that means, I'm not placing this upon you, but that probably means that you're very intellectually stimulated. Okay. You enjoy being a nerd like me. Okay. Amen. All right. So, but that there's more to the Christian life than just loving God with our mind, but we also have to love him with our heart. And that's why the Psalms are my favorite book because it illuminates my heart. It gives me the fire and the passion to follow him. And today in Psalm 42, that's what we're talking about. The Psalms is part of the poetic portion of the Bible, of the Old Testament specifically. You have the book of Job, and that's the vast majority of his poetry, if you've read that. It, is, it talks about the problem of pain. The Proverbs talk about the wisdom of God. The book of Ecclesiastes is what? The wisdom for life in a fallen world under the sun, right? How do we have a good life? And I'm not going to talk about that because I just spent uh, a year on it, it seems. And then the Song of Songs is a poetic picture of a great marriage. And then the Psalms themselves unpack the mystery of God. If you've ever read the Psalms from beginning to end, 
then you, I guarantee you can identify with something that it says, that you have placed yourself in David's shoes. When he says in Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, made my footsteps firm, put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. We've all struggled with patience. We've all struggled with sin. Psalm 51 talks about it. We've all repented from it. Hopefully. Okay. Um, if you haven't repented of your sin for a while, go talk to God about that. Okay. Um, Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Right? What, in Psalm 8, we've all struggled with our value before God. But what does it say in Psalm 8? That you have created me a little lower than angels. Right? And then it goes on and on. All of us have struggled with community with the world and we read psalm 1 talks about a blessed is the man that does not so the psalms really addresses almost every area of life and your relationship with the lord and if you have your text with you this psalm breaks down into three main pieces it is the sons of Korah's desire verses 1 through 2 it is the deterrence of the sons of Korah verses 3 through 5 and then 6 through 11 unpacks the sons of Korah determination so notice with me, before we dive in, I'm about to get super TMI on you, okay? And if I pick you back up at verse 1, that's okay, it's cool. Um, notice with me in Psalm 42, notice at the very beginning of your text. If you notice above the psalm itself, it probably says something like this, book 2. Anybody else see that? Book 2. No? Okay. All right. Everybody's super confused is what I'm talking about right now. That's cool. Okay. So there are five different books of the Psalms. Book two goes from Psalm 42 to Psalm 72. In, in book number two, the vast majority of the sons of Korah's Psalms are found in this book. And book number two really talks about how God goes before us, how God leads us and guides us. And then notice the next phrase. It says, for the choir director. Can we, um, we often just kind of skip the superscription up at the top, but it's really important. Why? Because it gives us the context. Like it is in Psalm 51, the, the superscript at the top talks us about that this is David's reaction after Bathsheba. Well, that puts it all in perspective. So here it says, book two for the choir director. Okay, so why is that significant? It says that the Psalms should be sung. The book of Psalms is the hymn book of the Old Testament. Then notice the next verse, a maskeel of the sons of Korah. Now what in the world? A maskeel is a Hebrew term meaning reflective. The Psalm 42 specifically is designed to cause us to be introspective about our relationship with the Lord. And notice what it says. It says it's written by the sons of Korah. Why is that significant? The sons of Korah descended from a man named Korah that rebelled against Moses in Numbers chapter 16. He rebelled. This Levite named Korah rebelled against Moses, and then God opened the earth and swallowed Korah. Okay? And the sons of Korah survived. <laughs> okay? So, so that's why they wrote this. But what does that tell you? It tells me that the sons of Korah do not want to repeat this generational sin that they saw their father. So they, a masculine, it's introspective. The sons of Korah want to examine their heart. They want to examine their own relationship with God, not to repeat the mistakes of their forefather named Korah. So all that as the setting. Okay, join me again. Verse 1. What is their desire? 
sons of Korah's desire is, verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God and for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? Another translation has it this way. It's a little bit more descriptive. A white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink God, deep drafts of God. I am thirsty for the living God. I wonder, will I ever make it and arrive and drink in God's presence? What is their desire? Their desire is to long for God as a deer pants for the water. As a deer is in the field, he must recognize his need for water, then he finds his way there, and then he drinks the refreshment of the creek. That is an understanding of our relationship with God, that we should desire him, that we should seek his refreshment. Let's just speak. There's God If God has designed me to have a relationship with him, then there are only some thirsts that he can quench. Gatorade won't solve it, okay? It's just advertisement, okay? There are only some thirsts that God will satisfy. But we have to recognize it. As the deer is in the field, recognizes its thirst, then goes to the presence of the living water to drink its refreshment. That is essentially what we must do. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and when shall I come and appear before him? The author here longs for God. Um, Sometimes I enter God's presence out of a sense of obligation. In those times, when I open the scripture, it feels like dry sand in my mouth. But there are other times where I see my need of God and I seek Him to satisfy my thirst and then I enter into the text to find rivers of living water. The God of the universe desires to know you, and he desires to satisfy your spiritual thirst. But the question is not that. The question is, will you seek him? Will you recognize your need for God, and will you search for him to satisfy the thirst that nothing else can satisfy? As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I appear before him? When can I enter his presence? The question I have is, how do you get this desire? I think, first off, what you have to do is you have to become a Christian, right? The rivers of living water, as it talks about in John chapter 7, is specifically talking about the Spirit of God making you alive. So the first thing to really understand that the thirst for God and understand how you are meant to know Him on an emotional level, the first step is just believing in Jesus Christ. Because it's going to be a little weird if you try to read the Bible without that. It's going to be just dry as sand. You're going to read Psalm 42 and like, what in the world is going on with this deer thing, okay? But first off, you have to be a Christian. But number two, if you are a Christian, you have to realize that you love God. That He loved you first and that you love Him. I mean, think about any relationship you have with your spouse or with your child or with a family member. What is always the, the, the n- nemesis, I was going to say, but then the center of that relationship, you realize that you love them. That you want to be with them. Number two, you desire, you realize your need for them. If you, des- if you want to desire God, then you must realize your need for Him. 
on a daily basis. Uh, can I speak? Um, we love God a lot at the bottom. Anybody relate to that? That when life is just going off a cliff and we just have a diagnosis or something that we didn't expect comes along our way and we get down into the valleys of darkness in our life, that is when we love God. <laughs> okay, when we have nowhere else to run. And sometimes God puts you there to force you to listen and to find Him. But friends, listen to me. If we do not build our love for God and emotional love on the mountain peaks, our faith will deteriorate on the screech slopes below. We have to learn to love God at all seasons of life, when things are going well, when things are going normal, so that when we enter the valleys, we know Him and we trust Him. Number three, we love God when we spend time with Him. You only desire God when you know what it's like to drink from the rivers of living water. I used to get asked a lot. I don't get asked as much these days, but um, I used to get asked a lot, you know, how do you get motivated to go exercise? Okay, go work out. And I say, go to the gym. And they're like, no, 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 seriously, seriously. How do you, how do you get motivated to go to the gym? You go to the gym. Okay, <laughs> there's something about being there that motivates you to go. I think it's the same way with God. With God. If you don't seek his presence, if you don't sit in, your, in the word of God, listen to the spirit of God, if you don't know what that's like to drink from the rivers of living water, this is craziness. How do you seek God, love God with your emotion? It begins with seeking his presence, being with him, going on a walk and praying to him. Opening the Psalms and seeing what it's like to have a relationship with God. If you want to know what it's like to have a walk with God, go read the Psalms. It's there, man. It's everywhere. But then notice the sons of Korah's deterrence. You have their desire is to long for God. The more I worship, the more I read, the more I pray, the more I spend time with his people, the more I love him. As the deer longs for the refreshment of the spring... So we should seek God in our relationship with Him. You see their desire, but then you see what keeps them from loving God. Can I, before we go on, we make some pretty lame excuses for why we don't really spend time with God. Why we don't really emote for Him. We make some pretty lame excuses. Can I, I don't have time, or I'm busy. Make time for God. Don't find time. That's what I used to say in the depot in the youth group up here 20 years ago. Notice what keeps the sons of Korah from really thirsting for God. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Notice this section. While they say. Notice that pronoun there. If you have a pen, circle. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? What deters them from longing for God? It is negative people. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have ever been discouraged in your relationship with God because of negative people in your life? Comments. You, you still believe in that Jesus stuff? You know, what are you doing praying? Why are you reading your Bible? We all, even this guy, <laughs> Christians, 
discourage me. Okay, sometimes. Okay, most of you encourage me, but there are. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so there are negative people in our life that just cause us not to want to seek the Lord, that question our motives, that question our decisions, that go behind our back and gossip about us, that really think we've lost our minds, Looney Tunes. Okay, people can discourage us. How many of you have ever heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie, okay? Whoever made that up did not live in reality land. People can deter us. They can discourage us. They can cause us to second-guess the foundation of our faith. I um, had a friend in seminary that told me that unless his dad had died, he would have never come to Christ. Because his dad was always picking on Christianity, picking on things. And he said right there in some he would have not been at that school unless his dad had passed away because of the negativity that his dad placed into his mind. Can I just ask, are there negative people in your life that are causing you not to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? Notice the second piece here. Notice verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? What else deters the sons of Kor from desiring God, for longing for him? It is discouragement. Why are you in despair, O my soul? How many, you know the raise your hand, but how many of you just get discouraged in life? It doesn't have to be from people, but just get discouraged in life, and it just affects the way you pray, the way you read the scripture, the way you relate to God. If you do not, you're not normal. It's just the way life is. We all get discouraged in life, and we kind of blame God for that instead of seeking him to satisfy the thirst that we long for. Discouragement is a silent killer. If you are a perfectionist, if you are emotively driven, if you're Enneagram 3 in the room, okay, this is a big one for you. I won't tell you which one of those I am, <laughs> but this is the enemy's arrows that he points to my heart. It's just discouragement. And oftentimes in life that I am the one that makes it discouraging. I take somebody's comment and I interpret it poorly instead of just seeing for what it is. Do we long for the rivers of living water? Discouragement, what deters you from thirsting for God? That's a really good question. And part of your homework assignment this week, you're not in school, but um, it's just the way it is. Um, Part of your homework assignment is to answer the question, what is deterring you from really loving God with your heart, with your emotions? Some of us would say busyness, but that is a lame excuse, okay? It just is. Because I've known men and women that get up an hour before work just to spend time with the Lord. I've known people that take their lunch break just to spend time with the Lord. I understand you're busy. I understand if you have young kids, you are busy. But so is God. Okay, And he still made time for you. Do we spend time? Do we, do we realize our need for him? And do we seek him on a daily basis to satisfy our spiritual thirst? Do we make time for God? Not find time, but do we make time for Him? If you don't thirst for God on the mountaintops, then you aren't prepared for the valleys. If you do not seek God when things are good, you will struggle to find Him when things are bad. What I'm about to say next is 
heretical in a way. I, you know, I thought about life this week, and I, 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 you know, I thought about this psalm and the desire of the sons of Korah to seek and to satisfy their spiritual thirst with God. You know what I did? And I just, you know, I put down my Bible this week, and I just said, you know, do I really need God? Do I really need Him? I mean, I could live my life without any thought to His existence, without any desire to walk with Him. I can do that. I can pay my bills. I can go to work. I can drive my car. I can be at home. I can be with my kids and have no thought to God. But then I thought about that world and how dark and and dry it is. And then I realized, you know, Byron... You can operate without God, but you really do need God. You need Him to give you guidance. How many of you ever opened the Word of God and actually got like an epiphany? This is what God is saying to me in this particular situation. You need God to remind Him of His promises of the hope to come. You need God to satisfy the thirst in your soul that you can't satisfy any other way. That there are needs in your life, there are spiritual things in your life that only God can satisfy. You need God. You can operate without Him, but you need Him. And He is there, waiting for you to approach Him. Notice their determination. So they have deterrence as people, discouragement. And then notice their determination that despite it all, verse 5, hope in God. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Verse 6, O oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Miser. Here they are in the midst of all of their discouragement. What do they realize? They realize their need for God. And they place their hope in him, despite what all people have said, despite what their discouragement in their mind says, despite their circumstances, they realize that they need God. Hope in God. But notice what it says in verse 6. Why do they hope in God? Verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. That is the circumstance. Verse 6. Therefore I remember. If you have a pen, highlighter, circle. I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and Mount Miser. In the midst of all of the discouragement, the negativity that they face, their friends that are writing down their discouragement, they remember what? They remember the faithfulness of God, that the hope in God is placed on what God has done in the past. Let me just speak. We have a short-term memory in human beings, right? Anybody relate to that? Like, I can't remember anything my wife says onto me on a daily basis. I struggle to remember my kids' names. Okay. Um, and so then we forget how God has proven himself in the past. We forget how God has shown himself to be faithful so that when we go down into the valleys, we're ready to give up and despair on all of life because we cannot remember him at the Jordan. We can't remember him on Mount Hermon, Mount Miser. We can't remember his faithfulness in the past, hoping God. Why? Because he remembers what God has done for him. 
What has God done for you? What do you have to remember? Have you forgotten? It says in Joshua chapter 4, this last Wednesday night, I shared a devotion to our prayer group. And it talks about in Joshua chapter 4 how the nation of Israel set up a pile of stones. And it says that when the generations to come would see those stones, they would ask, what are those stones for? And it says that you would remember the faithfulness of God when you crossed the Jordan River. What are the stones in your life? What are the ways that God has shown himself to be faithful to you? If you can't remember that alone, it's going to be real tough that when you go through the pit of despair to remember that God is faithful, that you have the ability to hope in him. What are the stones in your life? What can you remember? I shared this last Wednesday night that I, you know, I'm not going to share two TMI on this. Um, but, you know, Laura and I have had four children, and we've been, we were three for three on the genetic mutation for my kids to have seizures. And then the fourth one came, my little Claire, who is spunky, and she likes to stand on tables as an 18-month-old, terrifying her parents, okay? And, you know, she likes to, like, dance and walk on a table. I'm like, what are you thinking? Anyways, moving on. She does not have the genetic mutation to have seizures, that is a rock. That is a remember. That is a Mount Hermon, a Mount Miser. That is a way that I can tell in the future that God is real and that he answers our prayers. But then notice verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the presence of God, his loving kindness, his faithfulness. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls, all of your breakers. And your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. So in the midst of all of the discouragement, what is he saying? He remembers his faithfulness and he remembers the character of God. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. His loving kindness is timely. And his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. The hope of God is encompassing like the sound of a waterfall. The hope of God is endless as the waves of the sea. And the loving kindness of God is timely as the rising of the sun. You won't long for God until you realize how hopeless you are without God. Let me say that again. You won't long for God until you realize how hopeless you are without God. And then he sums it all up. Verse 9. I will say to God, my rock, I'm going to go before the Lord. I'm going to go before his presence. I'm going to seek the water books, the rivers of living water. I'm going to tell him how I feel. I will say it to God, my rock. What is his heart telling him? Why have you forgotten me? But his mind tells him, no, I have reason to hope. But his heart says something totally different. Can you relate? That your mind tells you that God is faithful, God is sovereign, God loves you, that there's eternal life, that you're God's child, that you're chosen, that you're a new creation. But then your emotions tell you something totally different. Am I the only one that lives in that dichotomy like every day? Why have you forgotten me? He knows the truth, but his heart tells him something. Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And Why have you become disturbed within me? And notice the conclusion. His heart says one thing, but he knows something else to be true. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, 
the help of my countenance and my God. That despite what your circumstances tell you, that God is faithful, he is real, he has shown himself faithful to you in your life. What are the rocks in your life that you should pile up to remember what he has done for you? Because you will need those. Anybody over the age of like 12 in this room can relate to this. That in life, you will suffer many difficult things. We saw that in the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? That there is just simply unfairness and injustice in life. And if you do not seek him on the peaks, your faith will crumble in the slopes below when you go down to the valleys. If you do not seek him when your life is on level ground, you will struggle to satisfy your thirst when you go through it. When people are discouraging to you, when, you're, when your heart doesn't want to believe it, if you do not have stones piled up, you're going to struggle to say, where have you gone? Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from the deliverance are the words of my groaning. Here he sums it all up. That God is our only source of hope. I, I asked, um, I think I've shared this story before, but there's a friend that I have that I've known him for a little over 20 years. And if you have friends like that, don't let them go, especially if they're believers in Christ. Keep them around. But I went to him, I don't know, about a year ago. And he's been through some pretty awful stuff, okay? He's been through, some, he's been through the meat grinder, okay? And I just said to him, you know, why have you remained faithful to God? He said, Byron, God is our only source of hope. He understands the rocks. He understands Mount Miser. He understands what God has done for him in the past. And in his present circumstances, although they say something contrary to the nature of God, he will still hope in him because he understands God's character. You will need that. What is the point of Psalm 42? It is to long for God, setting aside deterrence, determined to hope in Him. It is to long for God, to seek His presence, to return as the deer to the water brook. Long for God, setting aside deterrence, determined to hope in God. Why should you seek the Lord? A lot of reasons. But he is truly our source of refreshment. He is the source of truth and direction. And he is the hope of this life. If you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, stay tuned. I'll help you in that regard. How do you long for God? You realize your need for him. You return to his presence and you enjoy it. You enjoy the rivers of living water. You return to the well. Spending time with God causes me to want to spend more time with God. Anybody else relate to that? But the point of this sermon series is not just to uh, talk about the Psalms. Really, my overall purpose of the sermon series is to talk about loving God with your heart, with your emotions, with the center of your being. For you that are like me, that are super brainiacs, to get out of your head Okay, that God does not just live in your mind and in your knowledge and in systematic theology books, but he is a God that is meant to have a relationship with you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and heart. For all you people that are tired from serving God and that feel like when you enter the text, it's like dry sand in your mouth, then you need to listen 
to what the Psalms say. So my hope today, my hope for this series is to talk about what it means to emote for God, to have an emotional love for Him. So I'm going to give you a tip on how to do that. Um, This is what I'm going to ask of you this week, and I'm probably going to ask of you every week that we're in the Psalms. What I want you to do this week is I want you to set aside, I'm not asking for much, three days this week, not whole days, don't panic, three days this week, and I want you to set aside 30 minutes in those three days. So I'm asking for 90 minutes in your week. That's, that ain't much, okay? Ain't is a good word in Alabama. Okay, so I'm not asking for much. I'm asking for three days that you set aside 30 minutes. So get up 30 minutes earlier for work, Take 30 minutes for lunch. Don't do it before you go to bed 30 minutes because you'll fall asleep in this exercise. Try to pick the best time of your day. The time when you're most awake. The time when you're aware. Okay, my time is in the afternoon. That's why when I was at UAH, I would set aside every afternoon just to spend time with God in prayer and in His Word, and then I would go work out. Okay, that's what, that was my middle of the day. That's my best time. It's 2 to 3 in the afternoon. I don't know what your best time is. Pick three days. I ain't asking for much. 30 minutes each day. And I want you to answer three different questions. Question number one is, how am I responding to God today? Am I even listening to the Spirit of God that lives inside of me? And am I willing to listen to the Word of God as it instructs me? What I want you to do is this. Those three days, specifically speaking, I want you to journal. So a journal is not, is not, dear diary. Okay, it's not that. Don't do that. Okay, what a journal is, it is a prayer to God. It is taking your emotions and all this stuff that's up in your head, and it is just writing it down on a piece of paper. God, I am experiencing difficulty today. I'm struggling with patience. I want to lose my anger on my 18-month-old child that wants to be a kamikaze or whatever. I don't know. Okay. And I want you to journal a prayer to God each day. And then what I want you to do is I want you to read the Psalms of the day. The Psalms of the day. It's on the back of your note sheet. If you have not gotten one, then grab one on your way out. Uh, It's basically taking the day of the week and reading that Psalm and then adding 30, 60, 90, and 120. So today is the 23rd of October. So what Psalms should we read today? Psalm 23, Psalm 53, Psalm 83, Psalm 113, and Psalm 143. Did I get that right? And as you read, what I want you to do is I want you to journal first, and then I want you to read the Psalms, and I want you to answer the question, how am I responding to God today? What does these Psalms, how do they apply to what I journaled about? So if you journal, for example, okay, let me just, I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit. This is what, this is how I've spent time with God for 20 years is journaling and then reading the Psalms of the day. And what's crazy about my life, there's a lot of crazy things, but um, is I can, when I read a Psalm, I remember the exact situation I was encountering at that time. Psalm 40. I was struggling with patience. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. I remember Psalm chapter 8. I was struggling with my significance in the world, my value before God. Psalm 22, I was struggling with just feeling like God had completely and totally abandoned me. 
So that's what I'm asking you to do. Journal three times, read the Psalms of the day, and then I want you to answer two more questions. Question number two is, what deters you from longing for God? What is keeping you from really seeking the Lord? So after you journal, after you do that, just answer the question, what is keeping me from longing for the rivers of living water? What is keeping me from panting for the water brooks? To be in his presence, some of us are just rusty in our relationship with God. But some of us have discouraging people in our life. Some of us just are discouraged as a whole. Some of us have forgotten the faithfulness of God. We can't remember the Mount Hermans and the Mount Misers. We can't remember those things. What is keeping you from God and wanting to seek him? And then question number three is, why should I hope in God? Why should I hope in God? What rocks do you have in your life to remember God's faithfulness? Psalm 42 is to long for God, setting aside deterrence, determined to hope in Him. Before I close, I'm going to close with a quick story. Uh, about a week ago, I was asked to share a devotion at the middle school Awana program here at Calvary Bible Church. They were doing a camp out up at the Vision Retreat Center. And uh, the vision did not pay me to give an advertisement for them. Um, and, you know, I had known about that devotion probably for two months. And I didn't know what to share. I had no clue. I said, you know, what do I say? <laughs> if Byron was 12 years old sitting around that campfire, what would you tell that little awkward boy? <laughs> okay, all right. Who, anyways, moving on from my awkwardness in 12. Okay. And I asked myself, what would I need to hear? So they're on that campfire at the Vision Retreat Center. What I shared with them is a message that changed my life 20 years ago. I heard it for the very first time here at Calvary Bible Church. That I am meant to have a relationship with God that is real, that is intimate, that I was designed to know Him, to understand Him, to seek Him. And that I shall love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. That Christianity... Can I... Christianity is not about putting on a performance for everybody else. It's not about appearing to be good. It's not about what other people think of you. It's about your walk with God. And does your love for God then cause you then to love others and to make disciples? That is the smallest grain of what Christianity really is all about. That you're meant to long for Him. That's why you're designed. Will you find in Him the answers you can't find anywhere else? Will you find in Him the satisfaction for your soul that only God can quench? Pray with me. Father, we thank You for this morning. Lord, if there are those here today that do not know you, that this is tomfoolery, this craziness, what I'm talking about, that this seems so alien to life down here under the, under the sun, uh, if there are people that just do not know you, don't have a relationship with you, Lord, that they would find you and that they would believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, and trust in him for his salvation, for their salvation. Lord, I just pray that they would seek you, they would realize their need for you, that there are just some things in life that are meant for God to satisfy. And Lord, I pray for those that do know you, that we would return to the rivers of living water, that we would be as the deer pants for the water book, that we would thirst to be in your presence, to find your joy and satisfaction. 
You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forever. May we find our worth, our identity, our security, and our hope in the God that loved me and created me, who longs for me to come to him to find solace in his presence. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.